you got to pick one, one of the children from succession. Which one are you? Got to pick one. Um, I, I mean, am... it's like, obviously you want to be Roman, but he's disgusting. He's the only one who seems like, like actually onto something, but then he's just the creep. Um, yeah, if you pick Roman, that's kind of, they're all an indictment, right? Yeah. If you're going to pick an indictment, who would you pick? I got it. That's well done. Way to turn it back on me is I got to pick Roman. I, I mean, Roman's the one because like, I don't know, Shiv is manipulative and not nearly as sharp as she thinks she is. And then the other one put on a jersey and rapped at his dad's birthday party. So that's, I mean, that's an automatic no. So it's got to be Roman. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go dark horse here. I'm gonna go Connor because you know what Connor wants. He just wants out. I forgot that Connor money. even exists. I forgot that he even. No, Connor. Connor's probably right. the only one who's even got a trap door to happiness because he could be like, "Bye, I'm out." <laughs> well, See you later. we will throw this to Alabaster Wamsgan to start the show. <laughs> well, yeah, and we're actually gonna start with the topic about the Dallas Mavericks and. The disgusting brothers, <laughs> Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. Um, oh, do you gosh. think they will ever play another game together? All right. So right now, I think Sham Sharania uh, reported that mm-hmm. Kyrie and Luka stand a chance of sitting out the rest of the year because there's a draft pick in the balance. If they fall into the top 10, the Mavs get to keep their pick. If they're outside of top 10, they lose their pick. So... One, I hate the idea of gaming the system like this. As you guys know, I've stood by that. Whatever the incentives are that incentivize you to lose to lose are broken incentives. You should change that. And the other question is back to the original one. I know everyone wants to pile on Kyrie and say it's all his fault. It's not. Kyrie was a last stitch Hail Mary meant mm-hmm. to clean up all the mistakes that the Mavs organization has made up until this point. Nobody thought, well, I can't say no one. I didn't think it was going to work. Because you know what you don't need? Two quarterbacks. If we think about basketball because all the positions are kind of similar, you think that you can like just put a bunch of town together? No, these guys don't mesh. Not because you can't have two quarterbacks because you can't have too many people throwing the ball, because you don't have nobody tackling. They are mm-hmm. terrible at defense. And they got rid of one of their few good defensive players to get Kyrie on that team. So, yeah, it sucks, and no, they shouldn't play together again in the future. Never. You can afford to have one of these guys on your team and still have a competitive defense. You can't have them both. I mean, congratulations on them for speed running the Kyrie Irving experience. <laughs> Normally, this takes a season or two. We've just gone ahead and fast-forwarded it. Yeah. So, so good job. Y- y'all got to the end point a lot faster than some franchises have and probably for less money. The, the thing to me that I, I, everybody does want to blame Kyrie because, man, he makes it real easy. He makes yeah. it very easy. However, no, he's not to blame for this. The Mavs front office is, but secondarily, you're finding out something. I can't believe I'm saying this, but like the limitations of Luka Doncic. Like you don't, you don't want to say that there's limitations to Luka Doncic because he's the kind of dude who's capable of getting white hot and blowing a team out by himself. He's capable of doing that. And when he does it, he does it while waving to the camera. He does it while mugging. He does it while taunting. He does all of the things that I think players should always do. Great teams taunt, great players taunt. Fact. But he's limited. He's limited. <laughs> like like he's he's a limited player defensively. You can't rely on him to be one of those rare NBA players who is, you know, first or second all team on both sides of the ball. Yeah. He's not. He is somebody that you have to build a team around he is not somebody that you can just I I sometimes feel like the Mavs just with Luca 
tried to roll the dice and say, I don't know, maybe in a playoff tournament, we'll just, you know, we'll get this far. Maybe we'll get lucky and we'll, you know, get to the finals. And that doesn't seem like a constructive approach for a team, especially when you've seen the kind of team building that, I don't know, teams like the Warriors have done. I mean, Luca's obviously capable of taking over a game on one end of the floor. And there are very few players that are good enough that are Giannis level, LeBron level guys, Kawhi level guys that can mm-hmm. take over on both ends of the floor. But if you have a guy like Luca, who is more like the mold of James Harden, who yeah. at his very best can take over on one end of the floor, but he also is like shown an ability to continue to do it deep into the playoffs. So I know Alabaster is going to come in with some hard and hate, but the problem mm-hmm. is they, or the, the difference is they did build an entire team around James Harden and they, stuck to that in this team the Mavs have been trying to build the team and trying to find complementary pieces but it hasn't worked and Porzingis is here in the nation nation's capital right now like being a productive player like someone that you would dream of like hey this would be awesome a big man who can shoot and who can protect the rim that'd be mm-hmm. awesome to have with the Mavs they had it and it didn't work because of I guess personality issues between them which is why if we are ranking who to who's to blame in this Mavs situation, before we get to Kyrie, we have to get to the Mavs, and then the next guy to blame, it's got to be Luka. Like, mm-hmm. it, it feels like if he can't make it work, if it's something about his um, preparation, his uh, physical preparation to the season, his emotional stability, his uh, abilities as a leader, all these things, it's fair, I think, to bring into question now if you've had so many opportunities and you always come up short. Yes, I'm caping for Kyrie Irving, something I never thought I was going to have to do, but I feel like I have to do it because it's just piling on him, trying to blame him. He'd been there for like a week and a half. Mm-hmm. This yeah. has been a trash situation for much longer than that, and the one guy they had, Jalen Brunson, seemed like he couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. Let's put it's the weird substitute teacher, Mr. Irving, is not to blame for the failing test scores at the school. Okay. Exactly. He might be weird. He might yeah. be off putting. It ain't his fault. Well, there is part of it that's his fault. And that part of it is in your two quarterback analogy, he's not a second quarterback. That has been miscast for the exception of three games in the 2016 finals. He's a running back. He's a luxury pick. He's someone you take when the rest of your offense is already there. Like, if we've learned anything over the last several years, it's that. Kyrie's not going to make you good. He's not a winning basketball player. He's the sprinkles on top of the ice cream sundae. And the fact that we've gotten to the point where we're blaming Luca because Kyrie Irving is not as good as Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie, that's a, that's shocking. It needs to be part so, of the blame pie. It's not that we're blaming Luca because Kyrie is not as good as those guys. The problem is that your roster construction not. is flawed. Like Kyrie, all right, you're not going to draw me into this ridiculous debate. Kyrie, Let's is, do it. it's not a debate worth having. If you want me to argue that Dorian Finney-Smith and uh, – and Spencer Dinwiddie are better than Kyrie Irving. That's absurd. This idea of him being a winning player. He plays really good on one side of floor. He's a really effective offensive player. Yes, I agree with that. Is he bad on defense? Most of the time, yes. There are lots of players in the league that are like that who are not nearly as talented as Kyrie Irving. Now, can you build a team around him? I'd say probably not. I think Luka's better than him, obviously, but he is a lesser version of the same player. That's the quarterback analogy I'm making. It's not about their stature. It's about their skill set. And Luka's really big, so it allows him to be more effective than Kyrie Irving. But they're the same type of player. It's duplicative in a way that's not helpful. And, yes, having Kyrie Irving is hugely helpful for teams that need – a burst of energy, you need some offense, you need to take a break. It's really hard to find guys. It might be one of the most difficult things to find mm-hmm. in NBA is a guy that you can throw the ball to and say score. 
We don't have to call a play. We don't have to run a screen. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to outcoach anybody. Give him the ball and say, cook, let my guys rest. He can do it. That's hugely valuable. And yes, that's more valuable than what Dorian Finney-Smith offers. But the problem is Luca already does that. They don't need that. They, they, they need somebody to kick, slide, and block and protect the quarterback. They don't need another dude out there trying to uh, get under center. This analogy is tortured and dumb, but I played football, so that's what you get. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's more valuable in context, right? It's more valuable situationally. Like, you could say Dorian Finney-Smith isn't as valuable, absolutely. But for the Mavs, for what they need, exactly. right? You know, uh, to continue the tortured football analogy, it really doesn't matter how many quarterbacks I've got if I don't have a left tackle. <laughs> exactly. You know, we, we don't have anybody out there. And it, that duplicative, that repeating value that you get with both Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, it's not even like they're the same player. It's like there's a facsimile of Luka yeah. Doncic's skill set, which is slightly diminished that you find in Kyrie. It's just bad from the top. And I, I right? guess, yeah, my push, my pushback would be Kyrie isn't the problem because I think Kyrie mm-hmm. is probably similar to what Jalen Brunson offered. The problem is they had Jalen Brunson in them other dudes. Now they mm-hmm. got Kyrie without them other dudes. It's a that's the the issue. Like, let's go metaphor off. How about this? You got a diamond, and then you went and got another diamond, but you ain't got no pants. Go get you some nice boring okay. pants. We don't need no more diamonds. Get some pants. Just, They're have, not fun. I have, I have so many follow-ups. So first of all, mm-hmm. I, I feel it's my responsibility to mention that Kyrie Irving has literally never done what Jalen Brunson has done, which is lead a lottery team to the playoffs as the best player on a team. So there's that. But here's here's a question for you guys. What is better for the Mavericks? Because I agree it's been a totally mismanaged situation. Signing Kyrie to a five-year max contract that he wants this offseason or letting him go for nothing? Letting him go for nothing? Let him go. I mean, and yeah, yeah. I, I guess there's no value in a signing trade because it's not like they have his bird rights. So I would say that probably try to get a signing trade, but I think letting him go is because they're – all right, if, if we all agree that they don't really need his offense as much as they could use it, they don't need it. What else does he bring? He doesn't bring defense. He's not a great locker room presence. He's not mm-hmm. like a leader guy. He's not going to crash the boards. Like, I, I don't really understand what he offers. And, yeah, it's, it's an asset that's valuable potentially. But I don't know who wants Kyrie. He'd be really hard to trade if because who's, who's out there clamoring for Kyrie right now on uh, a max extension? Mm-hmm. And LeBron? also, don't don't say you're don't say you're leaving him for nothing. You get to keep that money, right? Yeah. This is this is the famous Chris Rock example of, yeah, you bought a Bentley. I drive an Altima. Do you know what I have in my pocket? All of the money I would have spent on that car, <laughs> a truck full can, of cash, right? That I can use to go get all of those parts to complement Luka Doncic, the part that I'm not doing away with. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think the the effort that's required, because I think it's fair to be critical of Luka Doncic, but he's too talented to give up on that. Like, obviously, that's just stupid. Mm-hmm. No one would even put that on the table. You need to figure out what you need to do to get through to him, hope he matures and find the pieces to put around him to help him be the best version of himself. And Kyrie, I don't think is it. Hot take there. We're not giving up on Luka Doncic. Um, but here's, here's one. That's me. Here's one that I we saw, saw floating on NBA Reddit. Uh, oh, boy. So if you're the Mavs and you think this is real bad, would you try and trade Luka Doncic for Victor Webanyama? Hell no. 
Um, yes, but that's because I'm stupid. <laughs> that's the, I'll press that button, right? Yeah. I've told, we've talked about this before. You show me a trade, I'm pressing the button because it's shiny. That's what I'll do. It's a reasonable thing to, I think, consider, but I'd say hell no, because not only do you have a bird in hand, it's a big bird. That's and a big bird. Yeah. Pardon, pardon the, the, the draft day trade reference, but it's not a tiny bird. It's a hawk. It's a giant hawk in your hand. And you are trading for something that as certain as we think we are, and I think scouting basketball players is probably one of the sports that's more consistent. The, the transition is more consistent. You're more right than you're wrong, probably. You also are dealing with bodies that are unusual and you can't predict. The last thing that I want to do is trade a guy who seems to be pretty sturdy and healthy and also uh, MVP caliber for a guy who is probably MVP caliber too, but is big as and built like somebody who should not be moving the way that he moves. Like I'm not trying to jinx him. Like I would trade mm -hmm. my whole roster if I didn't have like a top, like a young top five player in the league. Yeah. Trade my whole roster for Vic. It doesn't matter who it is, but. I mean, I will, I will say this though. That ain't the worst idea I've ever heard. Oh yeah. It's yeah, not yeah, the, yeah. It's, no, it's not the worst. no, no, no. I mean, come on. It's a little tempting, right? Yeah. Let that into your heart a little bit. Go oh, Victor. Did you see Luka Doncic get a rebound off his own missed three and dunk it? Did you it's, see him do that this week? It's not even the three and the dunk as much as it's the crossover through the leg, step mm -hmm. back, pulled a three that looked like a good three. And then went into lane and dunked on it. Like he was, 14 year old playing against eight year olds. It was incredible. And I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk everybody into this. We're, we're doing this Reddit, Reddit <laughs> NBA. You were wise. All right. I'm in, I'm in for the fun. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Mark Cuban. Scared money. Don't make no <laughs> Scared, money. Come on. <laughs> for that reason. I'm in. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, guys, uh, let's pivot to the Warriors. The news is that Andrew Wiggins is back in the Bay. He's attending games. He's likely to be back soon. Do you trust that Andrew Wiggins will fix everything for the Warriors going into the postseason. All right, so this is a really interesting topic because there's a lot of things going on here. So one of the things is their defense is the problem. And Andrew Wiggins is probably their most versatile, most impactful defensive player. I think the stats bear that out over the last couple seasons, particularly in the playoffs last year. He's also a 6'8 super athlete who can create his own shot. Like you can give him the ball and let him do things. He can work off his screens. He's a reliable three-point shooter. And he's an outstanding defender. So, yes, I think he's good enough to fix what ails them, especially since defense is what ails them. But the fact of the matter is, uh, I think it was uh, Mark Crum wrote a piece in The Ringer, I think it was, that talked about what was actually the issue with the uh, Warriors' road defense. And it seemed like the conclusion he came to was randomness. So, like, Andrew Wiggins might fall up in this situation, then we give him all the credit, when actuality, it's just like the teams were hitting more threes on the road, and then they're going to stop hitting those threes on the road because it's not because they're getting better shots. Like, the Warriors' defense was contesting them as well on the road as they were at home. These teams were better in their own arena, and that seems like the difference in why they suck on the road and why they're really good at home. So I'm going to go out and say yes and put aside – the emotional damage that Andrew Wiggins is dealing with because the reports finally came out. We can stop with the ridiculous speculation. Andrew Wiggins is out because his father was dealing with some serious medical concerns. And mm -hmm. so I think that is probably going to weigh on him. 
and you don't know how it's going to impact him as a player. But if he's healthy, if he's in shape, if they can stay out of the play-in game, which they may not be able to, yeah, mm-hmm. I think Andrew Wiggins might be the missing piece, which sounded crazy when I first considered this idea. I, I, I love talking yourself into things over the course of the segment. <laughs> this is my favorite thing. It's to be like, That's a terrible idea. Two minutes later, be like, ah, I don't know, thinking about it. <laughs> Uh, thinking about it. Uh, I'm going to say no because I always bet on the existing condition over the change condition. Um, it's pretty much what this Warriors team is going to be. They might be a slightly better team defensively when he comes back, but there's no guarantee that what you see coming back is going to be the same surprise brilliance of Andrew Wiggins from last season. He's right. had a lot of time off. He has a lot on his mind, and that matters. It just it, it, it matters. In addition to that, um, as the reporting from Shams uh, and others has made clear, you don't know whether you're getting the same guy physically. He already missed time due to injury early this season. It was a groin. Those are nagging, right? I don't care if you say you're better. You're probably not 100% on top of that. He's had this happen where he's away from the court. Um, the, you know, on-court fitness and the kind of fitness you can keep with the trainer are two very yeah. different things. That rhythm is different. The rhythm that you have with your teammates, which, as we've established this season, chemistry issues on the Warriors uh, were at least an issue in practice in a very obvious physical form. And I still think that matters in terms of how well you're going to gel with the team. It is so tempting to me. This is the other thing, too. You go, well, he's going to fix everything. If you told me he did, I'd believe it. Yeah. The Warriors have pulled off the improbable before when it comes to getting into form just in time for the playoffs. Other teams have too. I would buy it. Is it likely? It just doesn't seem likely to me. I think that's too much. I think it's too much to ask of one player yeah. to go through the season. I guess we have to like clarify what the question is though, because like, mm-hmm. do I think healthy Andrew Wiggins uh, means they win a championship? No. But I think that obviously everything that you said is right. Maybe he's not the same player. It's like more likely than not that he's going to be rusty and guys around him have to adjust to playing with him again. But is the idea of Andrew Wiggins the answer to their problems? It mm-hmm. kind of feels like it is, especially since they don't have Otto Porter anymore and Gary Payton, the second, not junior is been injured and not in the lineup. Like he's a guy that in the playoffs, we talk about basketball all the time. Playoff basketball is a lot different than regular season basketball because it's more about adjustments and in-game switches and things like that. When you got a dude, what's that say? I can't read that. It's too small. Uh, it, it says that in 331 minutes together, the Warriors line up. Steph Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, and Looney is outscoring opponents by 22 nice. points per 100 possessions. Okay, so um, I'm convinced he's going to fix everything. Uh, yeah. Two minutes, I've completely changed my opinion. Good. I, I mean, the, the to close out the point that I was making that I don't need to make, but I mean, I'm selfish, so I'm going to make it anyway, is when you're in the playoffs and you're talking about making adjustments, it's really nice to have a guy that you don't have to adjust for. So, like, that's the difference why I didn't love the idea of Jordan Poole. Uh, he's fun, but you got to do things. to Like, you have to build around Jordan Poole. You have to be concerned about who else is out there. You can just throw Andrew Wiggins out there. He's 6'8 and a super athlete. If you don't remember last year's playoffs, like felt like he was had a block a game. He dunked on Luka Doncic. He was dunking all over people. He was pulling open threes. Like He was an impactful player, and the most valuable thing that he offers is not something that I think we all pick up necessarily. It's that we don't got a sub for you. We don't have to go under screens to protect you. We don't have to do anything. It just puts you out there. And, like, mm-hmm. if you score 10 points, fine. 
but the value is you are an asset and you're not someone that we have to like compensate for in the same way that you do for Jordan Poole. All right, guys. So let's just kick this down Ooh, the road man, a I'm tiny bit. Day on basketball. You, you really are. Ooh. I mean, sheesh. Um, but they're likely the five seed or the six seed, which means they're likely playing Kevin Durant's Phoenix Suns. Talk about juiciness there. Or the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> let's go one at a time. The Warriors with uh, some facsimile of what we expect from Andrew Wiggins. If they're in the five seed, how do you think it goes against the Suns? If they're in the six seed, how do you think it goes against the Kings? Hmm. Well, hmm. it's hard not to like them against the Kings a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Kings don't play defense, and mm-hmm. it's and I, I can't come up with some. I, I can't use the Ringers reporting to come up with some reason why their defense sucks. It's just because it sucks. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make this clear though. That's cool. All right, you, your defense might suck. It sucks when your defense is cool. If you can't score, that's not cool. If your defense sucks, do you know what you are? Efficient. You're like, no, I'm just out here for a workout and some cool J's, baby. That's all. Yeah. I mean, and then they have the experience advantage and all that stuff. Uh, So, yeah, I I think I like them against the Kings. The Suns is harder. I think I would just go with Kevin Durant. I mean, he also could get hurt at any minute. Any Uh, second. Yeah, so could Chris Paul, but I—I I mean, I, Chris Paul has fallen out of the the tip top of impactfulness. Like we're looking at Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and I think it'd be a close series, honestly. So if let's just let's just let's just do it. So if Steph beats KD in the first round, are you going to give up on KD be, ever being the bus driver of those championships? Are you going to get tail between your legs and admit that he was never he was never that guy, pal? Not never. Not him. You yeah. can't go back in time and change the games. I watched him. I was there. I saw him bury big threes in LeBron's face. Like, you can make up all this foolishness you want and talk about how um, Steph was the MVP of the, of the finals last year and somehow that retroactively makes him more impactful than KD, even though he was the MVP of the finals back then. No, that's not true. You can beat him now that he's coming off of a torn Achilles and knock him out with a more talented team. But no. It's not true. He drove the bus. It was for a short period of time, but he was whipping that thing. Yeah, you, you is don't. Is it do like that. a student steering wheel when Steph had the actual wheel in the passenger seat type of bus driving? The insult of giving him the toddler wheel, please, please. I've only seen, I've only seen one guy come close to driving the bus by himself. We haven't even mentioned him. That's Giannis. That, that's like the closest I've seen to one person absolutely dominating on a level where I could say, without him, none of this is possible. That's no insult to KD. That's just to say, have you seen the dudes KD's played with? Have you seen? <laughs> like, that's not... We, I can't say this enough times. How on earth are you going to say that one wasn't a good thing or two discredit him for it? That that's It's insane. Yeah, yeah. it's just, he got hate in his blood. We got to get him a transfusion of love. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can move on, but Kevin Durant himself did say that he wishes he could play with the six, seven, six, eight multiple ball handlers that the Thunder have now instead of, I don't know, James Harden and Russell Westbrook in their prime. So uh, obviously he didn't think he had enough. Um, okay. You don't believe that <laughs> foolishness that you just said. No. That's, that's from his mouth, not mine. I know, exactly. Because um, you don't believe it. It's foolishness. Yeah. And, um, I, and I wish I was cooking filet mignon tonight. But, <laughs> exactly. you know, who, who wouldn't? 
All right, let's <laughs> we're a couple of days late, but let's quickly talk about the NCAA tournament. Um, and that UConn basically had one of the most dominant runs we've seen ever. But to you guys, was that run memorable? Nah, I would like it to be. To be honest with you, the reason why it's not memorable is it's not their fault. Like we mm-hmm. remember they were not ranked in the top 25 before the season started. Like I need to know your players. I need to care about you through the course of the season. Like, or you need to give me some dramatic moments that are worth remembering throughout their final four. Like they won by average of 20 points in the entire tournament. They just were an uneventful, uninteresting team that we didn't know was good until all of a sudden they were beating everybody's like they'll have to win next year. If they go back to back, then I'll remember last year's uh, as the beginning of a dynasty or something that matters. But like they don't they're not giving us anything to grab onto. I know Hawkins is is uh, is um, Angel Reese's cousin. That's all I got. Yeah, it's not really their fault, especially given the road that they had when you have a bunch of Cinderella's and you're beating them by 20, the answer is you should have beaten them by 20. That's it. Like, if you are the littlest giant and you end up in a field full of much smaller competition, which is what happened, and I think is what is going to happen a lot when you see this. I think UConn, given the mobility of players and, you know, labor in college, which is not a bad thing, and given the way that teams are built, if you have a team like UConn that is acceptably excellent to great, somewhere in that range, they're going to win every time. And yeah, so that's why it's not memorable. You know, you want memorable, you know, you need something flashy. They weren't flashy. And that is, again, not an insult to what they do. Superb basketball team. But overall, I think systematically, it's very hard to spot a really spectacular college basketball team just because of the way players are developed and the way that the tournament itself has changed. But what is there to remember? Like if they went wire to wire at number one, Mm -hmm. we'd remember that. If they were even like number five and we were like, hey, this could be a championship team, we'd remember that. If they had like a buzzer beater somewhere Mm -hmm. along the line, we'd remember that. If they had a player who was a one and done superstar and we knew was gonna go number one overall, we'd remember that. Like, let's be fair. They haven't given us anything to remember them for, which is why if they go back to back, then we'll be like, all right, remember that mm-hmm. time? Yeah. A lot, <laughs> met a lot of guys. The, they got Bobby Hurley's brother coaching. Mm-hmm. A lot of the debate, too, that we've had over the past you know couple of weeks with the tournament has taken away the lone thing we might remember them for, which is, you know, is UConn a, a college basketball superpower? Well, that question's been answered. That's done. So it's not like this team even had the privilege of saying, well, we were the ones who secured the legacy. No, no, no. You just put another you put another payment forward on it, and you're not the ones who won their first title. You didn't come out of nowhere. UConn's extremely dedicated to basketball, maybe more so than any other uh, college athletics program in the nation in terms of making that the marquee program and not just an accessory to football, making it the primary. That, that to me, is like they, we took away the one chip that they had by establishing and agreeing, yeah, yeah, UConn's it. And then they do it with multiple coaches. It's a machine. Yeah. How how dare you disrespect Dan Orlovsky like that? <laughs> oh, is he taking a victory lap? I, I've seen of RC course. and um, Marcus taking a victory lap, but <laughs> you can just um, I, if you if you want him to go away, just shake some black pepper in the air. He'll just he'll just run. <laughs> Famous whiff of spice. Um, last one for you guys. Baxter Holmes recently wrote that people around the NBA think load management is unfixable. Do you agree? Um, yeah. Go ahead. It, it, it's unmanageable because it works. That, that's the thing. It works, and it's because 
load management exists for reasons that the NBA has nothing to do with and no control over. One big element in terms of players getting injured is specialization. If specialization is there at a younger and younger age, there's more and more wear and tear on the body. It makes more and more sense to take these valuable assets and rest them. We've talked about this before on this program, but the conflict between asset management of a player's body which is very much in interest for the franchises and the actual value of the games themselves. Those aren't in agreement here. They're in conflict. If you want people to show up for the games, you want superstars. But if you want to succeed as a franchise and get the most out of the player, you're going to have to rest them. It's a fact of life. I don't think you get around it now. Yeah, I read the Baxter Holmes piece and it was really interesting. And I came away with a conclusion that I felt like he was tiptoeing around, but never said outright. And this is not the same game mm-hmm. like it feels we would not say uh the sport has evolved to a point where the expectations should have changed and, and joe dumars was quoted in there often and he was a good example because he played in the 90s and he was uh a guard for the pit the bad boy pistons and he kind of exposed all the reasons why i think it's unfair that we compare these players to the players of the past because the wear and tear on the body because it's more wide open, the pace is faster, the expectations are higher, the athletes are more explosive, the game is more spread out. Like it wears down on the bodies, on bodies of players that have been playing year round basketball since they were seven years old. So like the idea that they're managing uh, their exertion now, I understand how it how upsetting it is for fans who bought a ticket and then they go there and the, the player that they want is not showing up. Yeah, but also, you kind of need to do this in order to have players have long, productive careers. And they point out that Kawhi Leonard is the kind of prototype for this. Right now, Kawhi Leonard is playing as good as he's ever played or close to it amongst the best players in the league, in part because after he got that quad injury, he never played 60 games again. So, like, I mm-hmm. get the point, but it seems a bit unrealistic for us to have this expectation that they that one we incentivize them to play well in the postseason because that's what we care about two we have 82 games and three we don't appreciate the fact that the wear and tear that we're asking them to put on their bodies is a lot higher than it ever has been in the history of the game so don't be a hater yeah bring you load know, management into your life yeah that's what you need do. to do everyone should manage their load Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, Thursday no night too. I need that off. Been working this job for 20 years. Good I'm idea. Gonna a, I'm going to take a Wednesday off. Sorry, fans. Congratulations. You deserve it. And then so, your your Friday work so much better, more productive. Mm-hmm. No back to backs for us either, Alabaster. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I was wondering after reading that piece is like, are we sure? We know it's vaguely overloading the body, bad, mm-hmm. playing rested, good, but like. We're not exactly sure exactly how it works. And I think Kawhi is an interesting example of that because they load managed him two years ago. Like they have every year for the past five years. And he still tore his ACL. So it's like at some point, what's the does the risk calculus change for you of until we have enough data, are we sure this is the right decision in the macro sense for everyone? Yeah, well, I think it's impossible to argue against um, saying that fewer games is going to lead to fewer injuries. Like I think that the probability of injury obviously goes up the same as like, if you never drive, you'll never get in a car accident. Mm -hmm. If you drive once you have whatever the percentages are, you drive twice, twice the percentage. So like, I think that's 
inarguable. So like, especially for an injury, like a torn ligament, that's not like uh, necessarily an overuse injury, like a pulled muscle might be, but I, I get your point. The way where I would push back is, I don't know that I, I would, that I think that it is necessarily good for every player in the short term, but I think it's hard to argue that, that players aren't lasting longer. And given all this stuff that I pointed out earlier about how they're starting to play earlier, they're playing a more intense version of basketball than we've ever seen. The fact that their careers are being extended, I think, is the closest thing we have to, to some evidence that load management has some value. And I guess you'd say LeBron doesn't manage the load and he's playing until he's 100. So I don't know the answer. Just leave me alone. Yeah. Um, injury doesn't have anything to do with it because injury is a random outcome. That, that's right. that's the thing. It it doesn't have anything to do with positive load management because injury could happen anyway. It might happen anyway. It might happen more if you don't load manage. Like that's right. that's the guess. If you want to say there's not enough data on it, well, that's cool. We're watching the results in real time here. Do they work the same for everybody? No, but not everybody has a million or $3 million to spend on their body which is what LeBron um, allegedly spends all while eating a bunch of like strawberry pancakes and pop tarts, which is what Tristan Thompson said that LeBron had quote the worst. Well, I mean, diet Tristan Thompson is, I mean, I don't know if he's the most trustworthy reliable witness. I don't know. If he's the most <laughs> just let me think. Let me just, let me, th- let me just dream that LeBron is out here crushing McDonald's breakfast yeah. and then dunking on people's heads. Yeah. I, I think he 39 is 39 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Tristan I, Thompson on, on load management, that actually might be his one topic. Oh God. Uh, do we have to have a pablo torre memorial joke every episode is that what we're doing here that's the pablo torre memorial joke hang hang the jeans fly the jeans (laughs) we should fly the jeans in remembrance of our gross joke brother yeah let's get out of here before we sprain something load management (laughs) it's necessary uh taking tomorrow off Mm mm-hmm